0: Well, hello everyone. It's really good to be able to address you again in these very challenging and opportunistic times. That's what I think they are. Last week we talked about what God wanted us to put on in order to function and deal with this crisis and how we interact with people. Today I want to talk a little bit more about what's God's perspective on what's going on What do we need to understand? And where is he challenging us? On Wednesday morning, I felt rather disconnected from God's heart for whatever this message was going to be. I felt as if I was watching a jukebox, only instead of looking at song selections, I was watching the jukebox rolling over different scriptures and principles applicable to our current situation. What preacher or pastor can't say something that has to do with this situation that we're in. At that point, Leslie, who usually sits right there, sent me an email that morning and gave me some information. In response, I asked her to pray because I was stumped. Shortly after that, I talked to my wife, and how many guys know your God can speak through your wife, about the difficulty that I was having. She said something like this, we are isolated from everything else but not the presence of God that is what we must pursue and what we must look for so the light started coming on as to what father would have us consider thus the title of this message is isolated in his presence we talk about what we're experiencing as this crisis all of the time And it's important to understand what the word crisis means. I don't know about you, but when I hear the word crisis, I can go. And that really has nothing to do with the meaning of the word, necessarily. That has to do with our response to a crisis. And from my favorite dictionary, the Webster's 1828, it says this. In medical science, a crisis is the change of a disease which indicates recovery or death. The second definition is the decisive state of things or the point of time when a situation arrives to its height and must soon terminate or suffer a material change. We're in a crisis, friends. Things are not going to go back to the way they were. The question for us is, what do we contribute to the way that they will be? Because God wants change. The first thing that I would remind you of today is that God has been equipping us for this crisis for quite some time. Certainly, he knew about it when we studied James and we talked about trials, faith, and motivation. I would also remind you of the first sermon that Andrew gave here. It had four points. God is sovereign. God is worthy. God is gracious. And God is sending. God was equipping us again in that sermon. We certainly applied those points last week when we looked at Colossians. I encourage you to keep those points in mind and declare them for yourself, your loved ones, and your faith community often. And by declare, I mean not just think about. There are times where we need to talk out loud. And I need to say, God, you are sovereign. You are sovereign over these members of my family. You are sovereign over this circumstance. You are sovereign over this illness. We need to speak and declare, and the enemy pushes back. When we have to stay home, when we can't interact with others in the way that we've grown accustomed to, when we can't get things that we need or that we think we need, when we can't go to work or to school, what's left? God our Father, the Sovereign One, the Creator, the Lover of our souls. We must be in His presence. You may say that you don't sense His presence much these days because these are frightening times or because He has not intervened or prevented the situation that we find ourselves in. Perhaps He seems very far off or you think, I have, I have too much to think of and organize for my family to do more than acknowledge he's around. I know you're there, God. I know we'll get through this. And what I challenge you with today is that God wants so much more of us. When everything is stripped away, we must seek his presence. Do you remember James 4, 8? Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. That's the part of that verse we like. The other part of the verse says, Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. God shows us in this verse that there is a definite connection between knowing he is drawing near to us and our own repentance. In the passage that Andrew preached from in Isaiah, Isaiah confessed not only his own sin, but the sin of his people that needed to be cleansed, and then God raised Isaiah up. Are we any different than the people that James is writing to? Or Isaiah? Friends, just as economists and financial experts speak of a need for a correction to the stock market when it gets unrealistically inflated, and many of us understand that, I believe God is bringing a correction to us, his church, as he did often to his people in the Bible. We must seek his presence and let him deal with the things in us individually and corporately that need to be repented of or changed so that from his presence he may launch us to bring his presence into the place, circumstances, and relationships that he has in us. I'd like you to consider this scripture. It's 2 Chronicles 7, 13, and 14. When I shut up heaven and there is no rain, or command the locusts to devour the land or send pestilence among my people, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, I will forgive them and I will heal their land. I think there are four things that are very important in this scripture so we don't get off the track. The first thing is, we don't know if God, who is sovereign, sent the coronavirus. There certainly is biblical and historical evidence of him doing something like that. What we do know is that he has not yet intervened, though he certainly has gotten our attention, I hope, for all of us. And that's how God is using this. All things work to the good for those who love God and are called according to his plan, even this circumstance that we find ourselves in. Our hope is in Christ and the love of the Father for us. God's people must look up when there is a crisis and say, Father, how does this work in your sovereign plan? It makes no sense. What must we do? In Psalm 121, verse 1, it says, I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. We must look up and not look down. And while there is value to news and to the stock market and to opinions, God is consistent. God is sovereign. God is full of mercy and wisdom that he wants to give us. We need to understand number three The response that the people of God have to these circumstances Can impact nations Now some of you just said give me a break Impact nations I don't know how to handle this with my family I challenge all of us To go to God every day and say what are you doing here I am not equipped to do this Help me That's exactly how he wants us to respond to him so that we can respond to other people. When we look at the fourth thing, and this is very important, when we look at God healing our land, I'm not necessarily talking about him eradicating the virus, although it would be great if he did that. We're talking about healing all of the ungodliness that permeates our world and our national culture and the church. Understand that God wants to cleanse and to heal us. We can't define for him what that means, but I know he wants to shake us up a bit and make us different and better because we've walked through this. Can you begin to catch a glimpse of what God may be trying to do in us in this day when so many of the routines, what we thought were necessities and processes and relationships that we're accustomed to are all put on hold? Can you see that God must clear the playing field of our comfort, our sin, our distractions and unrealistic expectations to give us the next play that will advance us to the goal that he has set before us? Would you consider that we, the church, the body of Christ, are the active players in this day? who can bring God and his presence and purpose into the circumstances in which we and the world find ourselves. And you know, i said this to you many times. I've said it in many places. God enables that which he requires. He's raised the bar, friends. He has great expectations of us. And those expectations are reached in faith and humility, just the way we talked about last week. these things are not what is reported by cnn msnbc fox news or the government i've yet to hear any of them saying what the church should do they're talking about the president they're talking about the congress they're talking about the medical field and we're just in a different realm friends but we're getting the right news if we're open to it and not distracted by the wrong news notice i'm not saying bad news or what what's it called (laughs) Information is definitely an important tool. I'm not saying turn off your TV or turn off your radio. And by God's wisdom, we need to use the assistance that the government gives us. I'm not saying that we should isolate ourselves from what's being offered because all authority comes from God. Yet, our faith cannot be in the information. Our faith cannot be in the government. Our faith must be in God alone and the ability to work his plan and provide for us. Philippians 4.19 says this, And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory. This could be one of the church's finest hours as we reveal Christ. He wants us to see things as he does and do the things he has prepared for us. We can only do that by seeking his presence and responding just as Isaiah did. Isaiah said, I am an unclean man among an unclean people. He must cleanse our sin by touching us with the blood of his Son. Consider this scripture that allows us to be confident that this can truly happen. Hebrews ten nineteen to 22 Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place, the presence of God, By the blood of Jesus, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings. See, our assurance doesn't come from our performance, does it? Our assurance comes from the faith we have in God, that his character and his response is consistent. Having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience, there's things we all feel bad of. God doesn't want us operating out of those things. We have failed. We have fallen. God says, okay, let's talk about that and then get up again, and having our bodies washed with pure water. I'm sure that we've all heard references in recent days to the Spanish flu of 1918. There are similarities at that time in history to this time. Prior to 1918, the world was boasting about its scientific achievements, especially in the field of medicine. For over a century, the booming science of medicine had gone from one triumph to another. Researchers had developed vaccines for many diseases, smallpox, anthrax, rabies, diphtheria, meningitis. The advances in microbiology had led to the thought of invincibility. It was in that context that the world was hit with something they were ill-equipped to handle, and millions of people died. It was also just prior to that that was built the ship that could be unsinkable and we know what happened with that one and it was after that that came the Roaring Twenties and we know what happened after that the Bible tells us pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall we must be humble in the presence of God and in the presence of one another and with fear and trembling Say, God, what can I do in this situation? How do you want to show yourself through me? Yeah, you. The one who just thought, not me. uh, Certainly what we are experiencing today targets our pride. It targets our self-indulgence and our dependence on anything other than God and anything that has become an end in itself. So what are we to do? First, we must draw close to God. We've got to. And understand that, you know, I think most of us have heard the word omnipresent, which means God is present everywhere. So if we can't find his presence, the problem may be with us. Or he's not manifesting it for a reason, and we need to get in touch with that. In Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 to 30, it says this. Come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now we like to hear that my yoke is easy and my burden is light. But that sounds very romantic unless you understand the purpose of a yoke. A yoke is to direct the animal in the direction that it's supposed to go. And what Christ is saying to us here is that this is easy. If you'll just do things my way, if you'll let me come alongside of you because it's my yoke, uh, this is easy. It's not as hard as you think it is, guys. And my burden is light. There are going to be things that God is going to put on us We need to let him put his stuff on us and take off the stuff the world has put on us. And we'll find that his burden is light. The second thing, we must respond to what he shows us in his presence. The third thing, we must allow his cleansing. And the fourth thing, we must identify with being instruments for God, healing our land. Saying, just as Isaiah did, Here I am, Lord. Send me. After he was cleansed. If we were together, and if there was a music ministry, or I could insert a video into this, um, I would play a song for you. Um, It's called Let Your Glory Fall by David Ruiz. Yeah, it was written a while ago. I'm old. What can I say? but there are songs that just move me and it's probably better that it's not being played because I just sit sit here and ball because there's a place that God has in my heart for his church that just begins to break when I hear certain things but I'll read the words to you and if you would like to listen to it on YouTube it's Let Your Glory Fall by David Ruiz R-U-I-S Father of Creation Unfold your sovereign plan Raise up a chosen generation That we will march through the land All of your creation is longing For your unveiling of power Would you release your anointing Oh God, let this be the hour Let your glory fall in this room In your living room Wherever you're watching this Let it go forth from here to the nations Let your fragrance rest in this place as we gather to seek your face ruler of the nations the world has yet to see the full release of your promise the church in victory turn to us Lord and touch us and make us strong in your might overcome our weaknesses that we could stand up and fight let your kingdom come let your kingdom come let your will be done let your will be done Let us see on earth, let us see on earth the glory of your Son. It's a powerful song. When I was in a music ministry, I would cry when we sang it many years ago. Um, And I I hope you can hear the heart of God in what he's expressing to us today. I'm going to say it again. You're his best. We are plan A there is no plan B, and he doesn't see a need for a plan B because he's going to get it done with us. And just in closing too, I'd just like to say to, to say to you, I'm not sure that I'll have another opportunity to speak with you. This has been a privilege and an honor to get to know many of you and to be part of God equipping the saints in this church. And one of the things that happened in me, and I want to give testimony to this, is when this whole thing came about, I don't think maybe a few of you know, I was looking for a part time job in Cumberland Farms, a price chopper. Our income had gone down, my job had changed, and things were just not going well. And in the midst of all that, God said, Bethlehem needs an interim preacher. And what that did was not just pro- provide a little bit for some income for us, but I was really at a stage in my life where I thought I was done with ministry. I didn't feel like I fit any place. I didn't think God could use me anymore. And it was just kind of, ah, sit back and tell people what you did. And this just woke me up And it made me realize I feel younger today Than the first Sunday that I came here My knees are still a problem But I feel younger today than the first Sunday that I came here And more available to God And more open to God in every circumstance I find myself not only in the church But I can tell you honestly From being here The times that I've gone back to legacy I've been far more open to the Holy Spirit Than I had been before that So I thank you For letting God use you to revive me because that's what has happened through this. And I pray that because we've shared God's word together, we will all be different. In Jesus' name, amen.